Well, Christmas greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. My name's Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church. Really glad you've joined us today on Tuesday, December 21st. We're just a few days away from celebrating Christmas and glad you could join us for this episode. Uh, The Extra Point Podcast, for those who may be new, is simply an opportunity for us to take a look back at the text that we looked into on the previous Sunday and to bring some further application and observation, some deeper insight. Uh, Time often does not permit us to delve into uh, the text or even the topic or even some of the tangential items as deeply as we'd like. And so this podcast is just designed to help us continue to grow in our knowledge of the scriptures and our understanding of the Lord and in our obedience to him. We looked last week really at Luke 2. It'll be our main text for the three Christmas gatherings. And uh, one of the things we mentioned was that, uh, you know, the first seven verses really show the the culminating um, merging uh, moment of history and prophecy. And that's really what Christmas is, is when those two come together in a beautiful way in the birth of Jesus Christ. And we referenced a correlating verse, it's Galatians 4, 4 and 5, in which uh, Paul there uses the phrase, in the fullness of time, and then describes what occurred at that moment that God sent forth his son. Uh, This son was born of a woman under the law. And so Paul kind of uses this general phrase, the fullness of time, found in Galatians 4, 4, to describe uh, what we celebrate at Christmas, this merging of prophecy and history. You know, the phrase, the fullness of time, uh, is also described in Romans chapter, I think it's chapter uh, 5, as at just the right time. And so these are phrases that describe this moment when Christ came. It's the perfect time, just the right time, or the fullness of time. Everything coming together perfectly in God's plan from a sovereign point of view as well as from a providential point of view. There's the supernatural planning of God. There's the providential means by which he brings it to pass. All of this is contained within the phrase, the fullness of time. It's a beautiful phrase, and it relates to the right time and the right way. Something occurred in the right time and the right way, and it was the sending of God's Son. And as promised on Sunday, what I want to do in this brief oh, five or six more minutes, is just bring some further insight into why, uh, you know, about 6 B.C., 5 B.C., 4 B.C., we we think Christ was born around that time. Why was that the right time? And then the way it happened, why was that the right way? So first of all, about the the timing and uh, what Paul would use the phrase, the fullness of time, why was this the right time? Why was this the right time for everything to merge, both prophetically and historically, providentially, sovereignly? A couple of reasons. First of all, uh, the world at that time was really under one type of rule. Now, this does not mean there weren't skirmishes or there weren't, at times, you know, minimal revolts. But for the most part, uh, the world was under a Roman type of rule, uh, a very Greek-ish rule. And, and so there was a, a, a single type of government. At least uh, there may have been provinces under that control, which still has some of their own identity. But the world was under Roman control. If you recall, it had happened before under Alexander the Great uh, in the hundreds uh, B.C., so to speak. And then, of course, that was divided, and then there, there were revolts. But now we come into this early time frame 
under Caesar Augustus, who started his rule around 27 B.C., uh, the, the, the world effectively was under a common rule, Roman rule. And so this one type of rule, this oneness of govern, government, made living, uh, at least from a civic point of view, somewhat easier. Um, it made transportation easier. It made um, uh, language easier. As, as a Roman rule, uh, Greek uh, was the common language spoken. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't other languages, but uh, in all frankness, history would tell us that for the most part, even if you were in areas where Greek wasn't your first language, it was the second language. It was the most known language. And so if you're in a time period where there's going to be a writing of history, uh, Greek is one of the ways it can be easily distributed. Uh, furthermore, you know, the, the system of roads, uh, as were built not only during Christ but after Christ, made it very accommodating for the spread of the gospel. And so I think that the, uh, the idea of there being a oneness of government, a oneness of language, a, a oneness of rule, uh, this was very beneficial in the coming of Christ and made this an, an opportune time, a, a perfect time for Christ to be born. Some have wondered, you know, well, is that really true, Todd? Was it really that peaceful across the, at least the known world? And uh, did Rome really have their hand uh, in an extensive way like that, I, I would encourage you to to maybe Google this. Um, that time period from about, oh, 27 B.C. to probably in the mid-hundreds A.D. was someone uh, somewhat known as the Pax Romana. It's what we call or refer to as Roman peace. Um, and so that's actually a historical term used to describe this time period in which Christ was born and lived and ministered and served and died— uh, and upon which, of course, uh, the gospel spread. We would admit, of course, and say that the Bible does record persecution, and we know that history is filled with um, regimes of persecution upon Christians. And yet, civically, I would say, um, there was a, a oneness and a, a uh, unified rule that did help a lot of what needed to happen Christianly. So God just used this sovereignly, and of course, providentially as well, uh, for the best time for the son to be born, and of course, the news of his birth to spread rapidly. And so it was the right time in regards to um, oneness in uh, law and language uh, and government and so forth like that, but it was the right way in that, it, in that the son was born of a virgin. And so this was the right way because... This was the only way that Christ could bypass the sin nature. Now, we've discussed this at church on numerous Christmas holiday, uh, seasons, so this is not a new um, time to address this, but it always bears repeating during Christmas that um, the Incarnation is a crucial, critical doctrine uh, to the church and especially worth repeating and uh, rehearsing at Christmas. It's the doctrine that that the Word was made flesh, that God dwelled with us in human form. Uh, the eternal Christ became the earthly man. He was fully God and fully man. And, of course, this was possible via the Incarnation. When the Holy Spirit conceived in Mary, and she then um, gave birth to 
to Jesus, the human, who was the eternal Christ, God among us. And in this way, he bypassed the sin nature, which I believe is passed through um, the male or, or the man, we could say, through Adam. At least uh, that's the picture in Scripture. And I, I would say symbolically, theologically, that's how it's represented. And so because Christ had no earthly father, he did have no sin nature, and yet he was fully man since he was born of a woman. And so this is the right perfect way for the Son of God to be born. For to be um, fully God was necessary in order to pay the price for sin, and yet to be fully man was necessary in order to be the sacrifice for sin. And so in this way, the the way of the virgin birth, the way that bypassed the sin nature but yet fully embraced humanity, this was the perfect way, and it occurred at the perfect time. And this is what's entailed in Paul's phrase in the fullness of time, in just the right way, and at just the right time, God sent forth his Son, uh, the, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the eternal Christ, uh, the earthly Jesus, two natures in one. And so I'm so thankful this is what we celebrate at Christmas. And as I said Sunday, this is not some fantastical or mythical legend. We're not celebrating a fable. This is documented history. This is um, fulfilled prophecy over hundreds of years. And so we have verifiable and reliable reality upon which to base our celebration this Christmas. And it's my hope that you'll do exactly that that you'll see both history and prophecy coming together at just the right time and in just the right way and celebrate with confidence the birth of Jesus Christ. Hope you'll do that here in just a few days. Merry Christmas to all of you, and I'll see you post-Christmas here at First Family Church. Thanks again for listening today, and may this be your most joyous Christmas ever. 